November 1st. Matt Park with you. Good to have you in the booth today up until 3 o'clock today. Back tomorrow and Thursday as well. You can join us by phone if you'd like at 437-7644-ESPN44. World Series Game 1 tonight. We'll have a World Series preview for you on the show today. Beautiful day and coming from lunch at kind of a popular Central New York uh, sandwich establishment. Saw a lot of uh, dignitaries there. Had a little uh, impromptu preseason basketball production meeting with our friends Matt Rowe and Jim Sadlin. Always good to uh, talk ball with those guys and get our arms wrapped around the team and uh, start, starting to figure that out a little bit and it'll take a while. I think we'll be talking here in uh, November and December about this basketball team and the newcomers and the way the minutes are uh, levied out and who contributes and who has to work on it and those types of things. There's so many new pieces to this team, and the best player is a sophomore in Tyus Battle, who is the lone returning starter for all intents and purposes. Frank Howard will be in there as well as the most veteran presence on this team, not counting those that got their experience elsewhere, like Geno Thorpe, etc. But uh, Matt will be doing the games on uh, ACC Network Extra, Matt Rowe, so you'll see him there and hear his insights. And, of course, Jim Sadlin will be with us on the radio side of things here and on TK99 throughout the season, so uh, always fun to uh, gear up with those guys. Tonight, the basketball program has uh, one of the other great uh, charity highlights of the preseason. We had the Ms. Orange luncheon on Sunday to benefit Make-A-Wish. Uh, deep six figures earned for Make-A-Wish to grant some wishes to unfortunate kids in our area. And tonight is the Boys and Girls Club Hoops for Hope dinner over at Drumlin's. Uh, really, so many of the great people in the community involved with the boys and girls clubs and uh, coach and Julie Beheim do a tremendous job in uh, their support of various charities, but that one in particular uh, to see to it that uh, everybody's got a chance in our area. So uh, looking forward to that. Had some uh, leftovers. We did not get to the uh, Dino Babers interview on yesterday's show. We got called out on that a little bit, uh, Joe, and, and I'm going to, I'll hit up our friend on, on uh, Twitter that was, Asking for that, Joe Salzone alongside here today. By the way, in for Polly. And nice to have, nice to be with you. Yeah, you were about to say nice to have me with yes, you. I yeah, was. I'm I'm here every I'm, day I'm too, glad Joe. You yeah, that. we both work here. Just 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 so you know, it's been a long day. Right. I thought my name was in the title of the show somewhere, so it kind of works the other way. But I, Sorry, I appreciate. Boss. No, take ownership, man. Take ownership. Dress like the job you want to have, not the one you have. Oh. No, I don't think you need to do it. It's a little late. That, 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 that ship has sailed yeah. for you, you and Polly both. Uh, anyway, um, 
And today it just so happened that we're able to get two World Series-oriented guests on the first day of the World Series. So we're going to scooch Coach Babers a little bit. We've got uh, some sound from him this week that uh, he didn't do his press conference, but we grabbed him for a little bit, a couple of topics. Maybe we can work in a little snippet of that here. But uh, for the uh, young man, the gentleman that uh, claimed he listened to yesterday's podcast and still didn't hear Babers, do we have to dole? Is there a rate? Like, Should we find what his hourly rate is? And do, we, <laughs> do we pay... 30 we, minutes or 45 minutes worth of that or we, we could reimburse somebody for their lost time. I think we've got a, a PI around here. We can put them on that case. <laughs> okay. Do we have petty cash is what Probably we really not. are going to need. I think Paulie has all that, that now. Uh, a couple of burning topics that came up uh, in the leftover category before we get to our guest, Robert Ford of the Astros and then Brian Anderson of uh, TNT and uh, involved with the NLCS coverage on Television, both of those guys doing a great job, and Rob will be calling the World Series tonight, Astros and Dodgers, in 100-degree uh, temperatures out in Los Angeles. But uh, at said lunch establishment today, uh, it's one of these places where the line kind of queues up in the, the busy times, a quick-moving quick line, but um, there was a young lady, I would say, in her 80s <laughs> b- behind me, and I yeah. said, ma'am, you can go ahead, and she says, no, I'll, you go. I'm waiting for the rest of the girls. No. Oh. And so three more. The Golden Girls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, is there a, and God bless her, young at heart, is there a a, a time when you're supposed to, there's a statute of limitations and you're not allowed to use that phrase anymore, I'm hanging with the girls or the boys? I, I think at a certain age, you can pretty much get away with anything. I'm here with the girls. But I think it was really more of a spirit, an attitude. Yeah, I like it. They, you know, they were out for lunch, they were kicking it. They've probably been friends for, for years. Yeah. Complimented me on my shirt. We, we were hitting it off. Look at you. So Look, you're in a roll today. It's been a good day so far. Just uh, trying to keep it that way through the rest of it. I'll do my part. Well, okay. And that's what? Just hitting a couple of the buttons over there? Yes. Yes, that's it. Okay. A trained monkey can do this. That's right. We can bring Max in here. He could do this. <laughs> in the booth at ESPN Radio is brought to you by CH Insurance, cnyrealtor.com and Burdick Ford, and we've got uh, no orange football game this week, so we'll not be spending a ton of time on that chatter, but our visit with Coach Babers, which I believe we'll have for you on uh, tomorrow's show, really centered around how they'll approach the bye week here, and among those points, uh, how he's going to go about uh, self-scouting and uh, getting the team back together, uh, really in his hopes the idea that uh, this is a team that is more well-suited for the final third of the season than uh, recent Syracuse football teams have been. I know what I think we are. I think we're a football team, and I don't think we're a bunch of individuals. And anytime you have a football team that's playing for something down the stretch together, they're an opponent that needs to be reckoned with. And my main thing is making sure that not only these young men understand uh, what we have at stake here, but we haven't had a successful November together yet. And November coming up, we'll have the Orange on the road to Tallahassee, a game that was announced yesterday as a 12-20 start on November the 4th, home against Wake Forest on the 11th, which is Military Appreciation Day in the Dome, following weekend at an enigmatic uh, Louisville team, and then home on Thanksgiving Saturday, the 25th, against Boston College. So that's what's coming up in uh, Syracuse football. More of uh, Dino Babers 
throughout the week here on the show. We'll turn our attention to the World Series when we come back. Game one tonight, Yankees just missed, losing in seven games to the Astros, and that sends Rob Ford, our friend and the play-by-play announcer for the Houston Astros, to the World Series. They play tonight at Dodger Stadium. More on that when we come back in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Hummel's Office Plus and Dunn Tire are proud supporters of Syracuse football coverage on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Hi, it's Jim Beheim, and you're listening to the Pulse of the Orange, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth. With Matt Park. 2-2. And Altuve pokes one to left field. Fairly deep. It sends back Gardner looking up. Let's go! Into the first row of the Landry's Crawford boxes. Jose Altuve puts the Astros up 4-1. Fourth postseason home run for Jose. He would go on to hit five so far. Of course, it helps when you have three in the first day. Of the postseason, Jose Altuve, the call from our friend Rob Ford, who joins us now in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Robert, good to have you uh, with us, and uh, I'm happy for you, man. That's a long way from the uh, Binghamton Mets to now be in the World Series with the Houston Astros. Pretty cool. It is pretty cool, and uh, thanks for having me on. But, yeah, it is a long way. Um, It's funny. um, uh, One of the uh, sports talk radio guys in Houston tweeted asking people what they were doing uh, when the Astros were last in the World Series in 2005. And that actually, and I actually wrote that uh, 2005 was actually my first year with the Binghamton Mets. And it was a seasonal job. After the season, I was delivering pizza for Papa John's for two months. And that's what I was doing when the 2005 World Series was going on. So uh, not doing that anymore, though, thankfully. Very cool. Yep. Good for you. The, uh, Astros, of course, then were in the World Series as a National League team against the Chicago White Sox and now back looking for their first championship as an American League team, winning the American League pennant, beating the Yankees, as people around here know, in seven games. And obviously being in it every day like you are, uh, Rob, that's not an unusual thing. And they've been an American League team in your whole time uh, with the Astros. But I think for some people, this used to be a, a NL West series on a regular basis houston and uh in los angeles so that's kind of a little weird i think for the national folks to get their arms around still yeah definitely i mean the the, yeah the astros and dodgers they had some battles i mean the astros had a lot of trouble trying to get past the dodgers in the late 70s and uh they actually had a one game playoff game 163 at dodger stadium back in 1980 that the astros won to get to the postseason for the first time uh joe negro threw a complete game uh to get the win for that they they met in the 81 playoffs as well when they they had the split season and played in the National League Division Series in 81 against each other and the Dodgers won out in five games so yeah there, there is some history but it's, it's mostly ancient history for a lot of people uh who are Astros fans uh that 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 are in a certain age but um but yeah it should be fun I mean these teams haven't met since the Astros haven't met at Dodger Stadium since the Astros were in the National League and they haven't played each other since 2015. Well good it's it's fresh for that reason I, I know there are a lot of common connections and certainly when uh, those of us on the outside start looking in at the World Series and trying to draw some of those storylines that uh, A.J. Hinson, and Dave Roberts uh, go back and are, are tight, and, and, and there's that, certainly. And then there's, of course, from a Houston perspective, there's the meaning to the city. Uh, so ravaged by the hurricane, you guys had to play some games on the road as a home team uh, this year in Tampa, if I recall. But uh, 
yep. how big of an ordeal was that and how did the team sort of coalesce around that and, and now it has a real sense of uh, an opportunity to bring something to the community which uh, means something in every year that that somebody's in the World Series but even more so uh, here in 2017 for Houston. Yeah, I've definitely heard from a lot of fans who um, uh, are really excited, obviously, about the Astros being in the postseason, but also have stories about, you know, still being displaced from their home, not sure when they're going to get back in their home. I think much of Houston has recovered uh, as well as, as could be from, from Hurricane Harvey and, and all the rain that was that was in Houston. It was like 40 inches of rain or something like that over five days. Uh, but there definitely are a lot of people who are still hurting and a lot of people who are still dealing uh, with the after effects of, of that hurricane, which, uh, I mean, it's hard to believe it's, it's been almost two months, uh, since it happened. But, uh, for a lot of people, they're, they're still, they're still dealing with, with, with some, some after effects of that. You know, you, you mentioned the series in Tampa. I mean, funny thing. Well, I don't know how funny, but so the Astros had a stretch where they played 16 of 19 on the road. Part of that was because, as you mentioned, that series, they had to play against the Rangers at Tropicana Field right when that 16 of 19 stretch started. Uh, I wound up, we were in Anaheim and I wound up having to go to the hospital. I had an appendectomy. Right. <laughs> so I wound up missing all 19 of those games while recovering from that. I had surgery in Anaheim and then I had to wait in Dallas for a few days uh, after my surgery because I couldn't get back to Houston because of the hurricane. Um, so I was actually uh, able to get back, fortunately, after a few days and was laid up for a little bit during that time when the Astros had that series in, in Tampa. They got moved and and had to play quite a few games on the road. Yeah, we're visiting with Robert Ford, uh, Syracuse graduate, and the uh, radio voice of the Houston Astros. Game one of the World Series is tonight. You know, we can go over the lineup and some of the other uh, key figures here, Robert, but I, I thought, uh, especially as it relates to the hurricane, I'm thinking about a Justin Verlander who comes over and has a tremendous uh, finish to the season. He's a, had a, a couple of great postseason starts, and he walked into – not Houston as we think about in its best of times, but Houston right when it was underwater. Uh, how has he in particular uh, embraced this opportunity to play on the biggest stage and during a time when uh, it's probably tough to be a Houstonian? I mean, he's really embraced it. I mean, it's it's been it's been really impressive. You know, right after he got traded over, he uh, had a message on on social media, a video message uh, talking about you know, how excited he was about the opportunity and also talking about trying to help some of the, the hurricane victims. And I know he's, you know, through his foundation and some charitable efforts has, has gotten some money out there and, and helped some people. And, you know, that was an impressive gesture, uh, obviously, uh, for a guy who had never played in Houston at that point and, and had accepted a trade. It was, it was really neat for him to do that. And I think helped help him win some people over. And then his pitching has helped win over anybody else. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he's won all nine games. He's appeared in in an Astros uniform, including the postseason. I mean, he's been he's been all you could have possibly have have asked for. Uh, a lot of people in Houston compare it to Randy Johnson coming over in 1998, and Randy Johnson had a great run with the Astros in the regular season and actually pitched well in the postseason. Although the Astros didn't get out of the first round that year, uh, but but a lot of people have compared his impact to to that as far as trades in Astros history go. And you know. You already add him to a staff that's got uh, Dallas Keuchel uh, to it, and as we know, pitching changes quite a bit in the postseason. The way that the games are played and the series are spread out more than they are during the regular season. What a one-two punch! And what do you anticipate from Keuchel tonight as he opposes Clayton Kershaw? Well, I'm kind of curious just to see 
uh, with both of these pitchers, uh, how the offenses uh, kind of react to them. I mean, these are two teams that aren't very familiar with the pitchers they're going to be opposing. Dallas Keuchel is going to be pitching at Dodger Stadium for the first time ever uh, tonight. And uh, Clayton Kershaw, he faced the Astros once in 2015, but that's the only time he's faced them since the Astros moved to the National League. So it's going to be interesting to me just to see how guys try to adjust. I mean, obviously, you know, there's plenty of video, there's plenty of scouting and all that, but it's not quite the same as facing a guy, especially when you're talking about elite pitching like Keuchel and Kershaw. But um, I expect both to be really good. It's one of those games where obviously you, you expect there, it to be a pitcher's duel. Of course, it doesn't always work out that way. Uh, but, but I definitely think that um, it's, it's going to be a, a fun game to watch and a close game to watch tonight. No question. I kind of like the fact that there aren't, in this case, the well-worn matchups and all that predetermined like it might be you know, in an LCS, Yankees-Indians, uh, Yankees-Red Sox, or however that, that might work out. When teams are very familiar, it feels like then it's almost rote that – the managers know exactly who they're going to get uh, for certain situations. And in this case, we might be able to think along with it a little bit better. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, uh, and that, that's one of the things that excites me about it. And, you know, being a broadcaster and being a baseball fan, I'm really looking forward to watching this Dodgers team. I obviously watched them from afar, seen them a little bit on TV, but haven't watched them up close. And, I mean, most of the year, I mean, the Indians, they made a late surge, had that great run last couple of months of the season to pass the Astros for best record in the American League. But for much of the summer, it's been the Astros and Dodgers, the two best teams in baseball. Uh, and the fact that they're meeting in the World Series after basically kind of eyeing each other from afar all summer, uh, it's pretty neat. It doesn't always work out this way. I mean, it's the first time two 100-win teams have played each other in the World Series since 1970. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm really curious to to watch this Dodgers team and see what about them makes them so good and see some of their really talented young players. It's amazing that it's worked out that way for that long where it hasn't been in the World Series necessarily the two best teams. You know, L.A. for the year was the best team. For a month, they were the bad news Bears. Literally won like three of 25 games at a stretch. What was Houston's longest winning streak? Because they won a ton of games, and I don't really recall – necessarily being super hot just just everybody knew this is a really good well-balanced team astros had an 11 game win streak late may early june uh that's that that was that was their best stretch of baseball of the year uh they had a bunch of guys healthy and then right after that some injuries started happening uh you know dallas keichel wound up dealing with a, a neck issue you know lance mccullers wound up going down then you know carlos correa with a thumb injury that forced him to miss a couple of months uh, so they actually had a losing record in August, the Astros did, uh, and then just were on fire in September, obviously getting Justin Verlander help, and then they got Correa back at the beginning of September, which also helped. Uh, but September was really the first time that they, they kind of had their whole team healthy again, and it showed with the, with the way they played. Rob Ford is our guest, uh, radio play-by-play announcer for the Astros. Just another minute or so here, Robert. And, and I'm curious, you know, we, we've talked uh, over the years off and on, but I, I would – Love to get your perspective as somebody that watches Jose Altuve every day on what a treat it is to see somebody like that uh, swing the bat that he does at the size that he is. Uh, and uh, I think he gives hope to every. He brings people in. A- anybody can identify with uh, a guy that's 5'4 and killing it. No question. You know, when I first got to Houston in 2013, uh, Jose Altuve was a singles hitter who didn't draw walks. I mean, that's what he was. I mean, he was very good at it. But he swung, expanded the zone a ton. Uh, but just, 
you know, you had to, you wondered what his ceiling would be, but each year that I've been in Houston, he's gotten better and better to the point where now he's a, he's a number three hitter on a world series team, which is not something I would have ever envisioned in 2013. Uh, but he's, he is somebody who always wants to get better. Who's always trying to learn. Now, last year he was third in the MVP voting. He still wanted to get better. Uh, and, and he has, and it, it's really been impressive to watch his evolution. And then beyond that, uh, I mean, he's a guy who he plays hurt. He wants to be in the lineup every single day. He hates days off. Uh, he's a leader, uh, just by example, by the way he carries himself and the way he goes about his business. He's great in the community. He's great with the fans. I mean, he really is everything you could possibly want in a superstar. Good stuff. Uh, can't wait to see how it plays out uh, here starting tonight. Best of seven series. 100 degrees in Los Angeles, which is odd for anywhere at this time of year. But uh, gut yeah. it out. Enjoy it. Happy for you, man. And uh, we look forward to watching and listening. All right. Thanks, man. Let's go orange. All right. Appreciate it, Robert Ford. Hope to see him on the uh, basketball trail over the course of the season. Ducks in on a, a game or two uh, over the year. And I think maybe we'll see uh, Rob and his friends at the uh, Miami trip in December when the Orange uh, take on Kansas or maybe at the Garden after that for the Connecticut game in uh, early December. Coming up next in the booth, we'll visit with Brian Anderson of TNT. He had the call of the National League Championship Series, including the Dodgers' win there to advance to this point, beating the Cubs, Dodgers, and Astros tonight, Game 1 of the World Series, and you can hear it here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Get on the block with Brent Axe. We're talking to Dino Babers, head coach of the Orange. Always great to catch up with you. Best of luck this weekend. I think if you guys pull this off, you're going to have all the ramen noodles you can handle to make those post-game meals. Uh, Brent, I just want you to pick us to win one of these things one of these times. <laughs> well, you know, you never know, coach. Could be this week. Could all be right, this brother. week. On the Block with Brent Axe, 4 to 6. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. The Eagles are down by two, and that's not a score this time. Left tackle Jason Peters and middle linebacker Jordan Hicks were both injured last night. Peters injured his right knee. Hicks suffered a ruptured right Achilles tendon. Nevertheless, the Eagles were able to beat the Redskins 34-24. Eagles are hot. Just one loss so far this year. Carson Wentz's stock is rising significantly. I did hear this morning that the Eagles had uh, potentially good news. Jason Peters got Hit looked like by a helmet on the side of the knee, which is never good. Uh, that tends to rupture things, and they said it was not as bad as originally feared and might not necessitate surgery. And so if no surgery, then he would be eligible to return this year. SU alum Bob Costas is among the nominees for the Baseball Hall of Fame's Ford C. Frick Award. In 2018, I had to slow down when <laughs> I really that. did. You went down to 15 <laughs> miles per hour there. Yeah. Uh, Costas, a longtime announcer on NBC, is up against fellow broadcasters Joe Buck. Had to slow down for that, too. And Al Michaels, the winner, will be announced December 13th. Well, it's a matter of if not when that all of these people uh, win the award, maybe with the slight exception of Al Michaels, who people don't associate with baseball the way they do the other two, certainly they do with Costas. So, in fact, if you had had a gun to my head before I saw this paper and walked in, and I saw it on Twitter as well, had Costas already won the Ford C. Frick Award, I might have said yes. (laughs) Um, 
But no, he needs to win it. So out of this group here, then uh, Costas has to win it. Buck's too young. He'll get his turn. Because at the end of the day, Buck's going to have called 20 World Series. And Al Michaels is tremendous at everything he does. Did the Reds on radio in the Big Red Machine era in the early 70s. Then I handed off to Tom Brenneman, or to uh, Marty Brenneman, who's still had that job from the uh, mid-70s on. And uh, Al Michaels is great, but I think people think football with Al Michaels and then Miracle on Ice before they think of baseball. I think that's that's a fair point. And a Montreal man says that he has been given a ticket for singing in his car. Taufik Mawala says he was driving home last month and was singing aloud to the 1990 dance music hit Gonna Make You Sweat. I'm not singing it for you. Man, I'd pay your fine if you did. (laughs) Uh, Mawala said that he was pulled over and given a uh, fine for $117 for, quote, screaming in his car. He's going to contest it. I would hope so. That's pretty steep. I would love to know the basis for a $117 fine for screaming or singing in your car, even with the exchange rate. That feels like it's a little much. Yeah. Can the we back up just a little bit? is $146 Canadian. Oh, it is. Wow. Yeah. Damn, that's steep. Uh, that's, a, that's a hefty fine for singing too loud. I noticed you didn't slow down for the name Taufik Maiola. I practiced. And he's not even a famous person. It's no. not like anybody would notice if That's you right. got it wrong. Um, <laughs> what song would make you sing at the top of your lungs in the car? Uh, smells Like Teen Spirit from Nirvana. Really? Yeah. Big Nirvana fan. That's a good one. I'm not I, I'm not someone that sings along unless it's like a an easily recognized, like a Christmas song I could sing to without looking up the lyrics. But even, uh, even a Nirvana song I've listened to thousands of times, I would still have to look up the lyrics. Would you actively have like the lyrics on your phone as you were singing? You'd look them up? I mean, I'm you... sure that wouldn't be the wisest idea. I'm more uh, <laughs> the one to either make up my own lyrics or incorrectly assume that I already oh. know what they are and mm-hmm. so mess them up. I guess... Or sometimes intentionally do it for effect. <laughs> Maybe the lesson uh, learned is it's okay if you want to sing, just roll up your windows. Yeah, I mean, I he's that's, belt, that's a good belting it out. Everyone. I mean, maybe he was a bad singer. Maybe he was a great singer. Maybe he enhanced the enjoyment of the community of the people around him. I sincerely doubt that, though. Yeah, that's probably not a great... That's not exactly a... Is it a pick-me-up kind of share tune? Yeah, it's It's, it's like it's the TV upbeat. commercial with the Sweet Caroline. People are singing at the... Yes. At the That's a sing-out-loud song. Well, I think people it, get into that at games. In the story, there's a quote from this guy's wife uh, who says... Something, uh, something What's along the Mrs. Li- Myola's name? <laughs> uh, Stephanie, I think, or something pretty... <laughs> Talfic s- and Stephanie. Talfic Moala. Uh, she says she hates that song, and if she had caught him singing uh, that loud, she would have fined him $300. Oh. So I don't know Sounds if I Sounds like trouble in the Yeah, I don't know Moala if I'd rather go household. home or go to jail. Yeah. Well, pay the fine, move along. Yeah. <laughs> hope he got his money's worth okay, with the singing. Thank I you, hope, Joe. I, he'll never listen to that song again. Oh, uh, do we care? Brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's, love it for a slice. Brian Anderson of TNT, when we come back, talking baseball, game one of the World Series preview. Brian had the Dodgers-Cubs series on TV. We'll check in with him when we come back in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. 
Listen all day and be caller number five when prompted for your chance to see an advanced screening of ESPN 30 for 30 Nature Boy The Ric Flair Story at the Red House Arts Center on Thursday, November 2nd. Get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at the legendary wrestler before it airs on TV. Winners will see the movie, have a chance to win the complete 30 for 30 library, and enjoy a free meal. After, stick around for a Q&A with Brent Axe. Brought to you by United Auto Supply. ESPN Radio Syracuse. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. And Turner in the air to center field. The ball's hit well. Martinez on the run. This is way back. And it is gone. It is a walk-off home run for Justin Turner. And then a minute of celebration from Brian Anderson on uh, TNT. Great job with that. And he joins us now on In the Booth and ESPN Radio Syracuse. Hello, BA. How are you? I'm doing great. Great to hear from you again, man. How's everything in Syracuse? Uh, good. I I made a little note here at the end that I would say, hey, maybe we'll see you in March, but it's a long way off, my man, if you know what we I mean. Gotta, <laughs> you got to get there. I'm like, uh, I'm the voice of the orange in the uh, NCAA tournament. They never lose when I'm around. I, I know. So we'll need uh, need you there and, uh, and hope that we can uh, cross paths again uh, for what is... Uh, really another of the most exciting times of the year. And and uh, this one, for those of us that are uh, baseball lovers, is too, the opening night of the World Series. And uh, you, I texted you that night, awesome job. I thought that was as good a setup and the one pitch, walk-off, complete stud that Justin Turner had been in the postseason, the drama all the way through the, the uh, walk-off interview there with uh, Sam Ryan. That was uh, really tremendous television. I appreciate that. It, that means a lot. You know, every time I... Um do a, a Syracuse Orange game, or if I'm on the radio with you in Syracuse, I always feel a little little more nervous about it because there's so many broadcasters, and it's kind of the broadcasting mecca, you know, and uh, my, my representatives are all Syracuse guys. <laughs> I feel like, um, you know, a proxy new house. There you go. Uh, but, no, I appreciate that. It was great fun, and uh, we had a – you know, we had one of those moments that you, you, as a broadcaster, you live for, you – hope you get a chance to call, and more importantly, you hope you don't screw it up. So I thought the best thing for me to do right there is just shut my mouth for a little while and and, uh, watch all the scene unfold below us. And all of our cameras have microphones on them, too, the handhelds that are on the on the field and running Turner in. And so it was just really great theater all the way around, I thought. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Brian Anderson's our guest. We're going to confer an honorary uh, Syracuse University Newhouse <laughs> School degree uh, on him. And uh, and really cool. Not not to talk too much uh, shop because we do the, a little bit on this show. That's kind of the, the premise of it. But I, I have used that, Brian, w- with our students. Uh, you weren't getting paid by the word there, but that was a, a, literally a minute of uh, silence other than the crowd sound, the reaction, the devastated you know, Cubs walking uh, down the dugout steps uh, to the clubhouse, and uh, really great. And, and what an emotional time it is, obviously, in a league championship series to to get back to the World Series. It would have been a huge accomplishment for the Cubs, who you know ended that long 108 year drought last year. And this has been great for baseball and great for TV to have the four biggest markets in America represented in the final four in essence in in MLB this year. Yeah, it's been it was good. I mean I, I, I like the fact that the you know the Astros are in it and, and Houston after what Houston's gone through, you know, I, I'm I'm a native Texan so I'm feel very connected to the Astros. I grew up an Astros fan, grew up going to the Astrodome, so I think the 
The national narrative probably would have been better served if it was the Yankees and the Dodgers because of that historic uh, rivalry they've had through the years. But, um, you know, honestly, the the best World Series is going to be the Astros and the Dodgers. Um, no disrespect to the Cubs and the Yankees, but the two best teams I saw all year was the Dodgers and the Astros. I just think that the talent and then um, the, the ads that they made both – franchises made uh, of course Houston getting Verlander was probably you know the one piece that put them over the top um, so I, I love the matchup and I'm glad both are in it uh, to this point you know you got two 100 plus win teams which it, it that hasn't happened in a long long time 1970 I think it does matter 1970 that, um, last year oh oh yeah so I mean there you go I mean I, I think it does matter uh, what happens in the regular season, and you protect the division winners like the the new format uh, does over the last few years. So I love the matchup, and I love the fact that Kai Cole is going to get on a stage with Kershaw. I know he's won a Cy Young Award, and people are familiar with the name, but they, you know, there's a lot of people around the country that haven't really watched Dallas Keuchel pitch, and uh, this guy's he's so great to watch and entertaining. And then Verlander's going Game Two for them against Rich Hill, and then you get to learn Rich Hill's story which is a phenomenal story as well. I know Joe Buck and John Smoltz know that story well, and we've, we've chatted about it too. So I think um, you get to learn about this guy who's 37 years old and was pitching an independent ball in Long Island two years ago, and now he's on a, in a World Series. So I, I love that part of, of the game as well. Brian Anderson is with us, uh, had the NLCS on TNT, does the Brewers games as their lead television announcer during the regular season. I was at a game in August. I said, hey, I want to go see these Dodgers being this good. And I had never been to City Field in, in New York prior to this year uh, for a game at least and uh, fell in love with it and went back uh, a couple weeks later. And Rich Hill could not keep the ball in the ballpark <laughs> against the Mets. He gave up, I think it was three or maybe four home runs in the first uh, two innings. Literally, he had not given up more than a home run in a game for years and years going back. It was in the TV booth with the guys kind of looking it up with them. But, uh, and it just goes to show you, you can have good days and bad, but over the long haul, uh, he really has been tremendous on numerous teams here since this sort of rebirth, as you pointed out, uh, coming back from independent ball. And we ought to see a very well-pitched World Series. Yeah, well, and it's not just the starters. And I think what you're going to find out here, <clears throat> the Astros will be w- uh, more willing to stick with their starters, but what I experienced with the Dodgers covering them the last three weeks of the season, we had them twice on Sunday MLB on TBS, and then, of course, I had them in the Division Series and the LCS. So what I've seen from them and what makes them so good is their bullpen. And they have five pitchers down there. I call them the Fantastic Five, but they've got five guys that um, most of them Four of the five have been closers. Of course, Jansen still is a closer, but then you add Maeda to the mix, who is deadly against right-handers. Um, I, don't, I just don't see anybody beating him, so you better have a lead and better not give up that lead after the fifth or sixth inning, um, or you can't beat him um, because Jansen gives you the two-inning possibility, which means if you get into a little bit of trouble in the sixth or the seventh, um, you can afford to stack it up a little higher. So if, if, if Brandon Morrow gets into a little trouble, you have a guy like Sangrani that could come in. Uh, you got a guy like Maeda who could come in. So, you know, they have plan Bs for all of their late high leverage, as we call it now, they call it now high leverage relievers, because you have Jansen, who's 
Mariano Rivera right now. Um, he's untouchable. I mean, you can't even – a base hit is a rare thing against him. The only base runners I saw against um, Jansen was a hit by, hit by pitch. So he's on top of his game. He's at the prime of his career, and that's a weapon that nobody has in the postseason. Brian, are you privy to the relationship between the managers here, A.J. Hinch and Dave Roberts, uh, two guys that are fairly – first of all, it's their only managerial job. They're both still kind of uh, young in that role, and uh, this has got to be a, a great stage for the two of them. Obviously, Roberts was a World Series hero in a way as a player for the Red Sox. Yeah, you know, Roberts is the reigning manager of the year in the National League, so, you know, the Dodgers had a great season last season, and and his first year I thought he did a really good job. He's – He's excellent with the media. He's um, that's part of a big part of the job now is information um, dissemination. And I think you look at guys like like Joe Madden and Craig Council here in Milwaukee. That that there's a blueprint now for a manager um, how that information is passed along to fans and how you handle topics and how you handle controversy. It's a big part of it. And I think Dave, that's where he shines. I mean, I think he's great. I will say, from the Dodgers' perspective, they are pretty much a blueprint-type organization, meaning they, they go into every game with a game plan of how they want to pitch certain guys. You know, we, we chronicled it throughout our series, but it's not even about roles guys pitch. It's more about matchups. What, you know, so you may face three, four, and five in the batting order, maybe coming up in the seventh inning, and so they'll use their second-best pitcher, Morrow, in the bullpen in that inning saving Jansen. So not so much about who's got the sixth, seventh, or the eighth and the closer. It's more about, okay, what part of the order is coming up. So once the series starts, you'll be able to find out right away how they're connecting to certain part of the order. So that part of it is already premeditated. And so now the lineup, um, every day we were in there with Dave, the baseball operations staff was in there before us, before we had our 15 minutes with the manager. And out of that room would come Andrew Friedman and Farhan Zahidi and all the executives uh, with the Dodgers, and um, and they were pouring through the numbers, talking about who's hot, who's feeling well, the injuries, and then that's how they formulate the lineup. So uh, where they were going to pinch hit certain players and what type of situation. So I think they they map out so many scenarios that I think for a manager it just becomes about he and his bench coach and the pitching coach sticking to that game plan. Um, and, you know, Dave's got his book. and sure. So that part of it is new. I think that's changed a great deal here in the last few years. Managers are not going off hunch so much. It's more probabilities. And um, so I think that that's a different way to look at a manager. I would tell you A.J. Hinch is very similar. Um, but, but I think Hinch now in his second year – was able to get some pieces that don't necessarily fit the analytics window. So, so A.J. Hinch, as he told me, at one point after last year when the Astros did not make any moves, his point was we need some adults in the room with all this great young talent. So you, you would not go out in an analytics model and sign Carlos Beltran. He makes way too much money for, for way too little production. Right. However, he is revered in a clubhouse by everybody, especially – Spanish-speaking players, Latin players, you know, he's moving into that godfather classification. So that was a huge piece. And then bringing in Brian McCann to shore up their catching, and Josh Reddick is another veteran guy that kind of grinds it out. So they've added a little bit to their 
numbers only um, parameters and added pieces like that. And then you see the Dodgers add a piece like Utley again and re-sign Turner and re-sign Jansen. And so I think there's a little bit of a combination more than ever with the analytic side versus what, you know, the heartbeat side. And I think both teams and both franchises are functioning beautifully now. And it's kind of where the game's going anyway. So um, I, I like the fact that they're both in the world series. And I think that's the smart way to, to run a franchise. They're not robots. They are humans. And they've added a little bit of that human element into the numbers perspective of how to acquire players and put players in certain positions. Awesome stuff from uh, Brian Anderson of TBS. We have uh, less than a minute, Brian, but I thought in a big picture, really a lot of what you're talking about also dictates the teams we follow most closely here, obviously, are the Yankees and then the Mets are on this station and then the AAA of the uh, Washington Nationals is here in Syracuse and maybe all of them have new managers. But Terry Collins, who's a lifer, uh, kind of from the other school that you're talking about, gone and Dusty Baker gone and the whole division seems like uh, the NL East is changing managers you need to have somebody that can deal with the things that you're addressing there yeah I think it's important and that's why it's getting a lot younger the managers are getting a lot younger they're more connected to the information that it see here's the thing the biggest challenge and what when you go into these interviews and uh, Mickey Calloway would have to answer this question he obviously did well because uh, they hired him, but you've got to be able to take information, filter it down, and then coach it and deliver it, right? Deliver yep. it and have it coached, taught. That's the disconnect that I've seen in baseball the last few years that teams are now starting to implement. And and that's really where you see the turnover and you see the change in an organization. I'm watching it unfold right in front of my eyes with the Brewers. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a major piece that had been missing uh, with a lot of the analytics-driven driven teams that are now bringing in more you know, scouts, eyes on players, um, watching body language, uh, clubhouse chemistry. You know, that, that, those are usually taboo words in the <laughs> analytics committee leading up to now, but yeah. there is a mix, and it, it's a good mix. It should be. It's not one way or the other, and uh, I think that's what you're seeing manifest itself in the, in the type of person that's being hired as managers, you know, he's same with Alex Cora in Boston. So that those are the kind of managers you're going to be looking at. All right, Brian, always uh, good to catch up with you. Good stuff. Great insight on the games there. We're looking forward to uh, watching tonight. And we'll see you next, I assume, in the NBA world and then in the March, okay? Uh, yes, sir, Matt. Great to be with you, bud. Hope That's, you're doing well. Yeah, Brian Anderson, appreciate it, my friend of uh, Turner and the Brewers and a lot of other good things. We appreciate his uh, being with us. Listen all day, friends, and be caller number five when prompted for your chance to see an advanced screening of ESPN's 30 for 30, Nature Boy, the Ric Flair story at the Red House Arts Theater, Thursday, November 2nd. Get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at the legendary wrestler before it airs on TV. Winners will see the movie, have a chance at the complete 30 for 30 library, have a free meal, and a chance to visit with Brent Axe afterwards. Brought to you by United Auto Supply and ESPN Radio Syracuse. We thank our guests today, Rob Ford and Brian Anderson. For Joe Selzo and Matt Park saying so long. We're back in the booth tomorrow at 2 right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse.